0: Hi, I'm Tracy, an impassioned lady on a quest to slay working motherhood and find fulfillment. I'm here to help you navigate the beautiful and damned in the life of a working mom. I'm a PA, mom, wife, and lover of fashion who is guiding my fellow working moms to ditch the dread and find fulfillment in the wonder and the war zone that is modern motherhood. I teach you the clinical pearls you need to create a life you love, pearls you can apply today to change your life tomorrow skirt around those heavy real-life topics? No way. Here you'll get an unfiltered ringside seat. You'll hear about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Parenting, step-parenting, marriage, motherhood, faith, and finances are all topics we will sit down and unpack together. Think of this as your one-stop shop for all the motivation and encouragement you need to help navigate working motherhood. Each week, it's like a mom's night out had a baby with a TED Talk. Then the mom's night out went back to work. Pull up a seat, get settled, and get ready to be inspired and encouraged. This is Fulfilled, the podcast.
1: Today on Fulfilled, we have Michelle Netsky of the Posh PA. Michelle is hands down the funniest woman and the best dancer on Instagram and TikTok. She is a PA, a PA counselor, a health coach, mom, and a wife. As a practicing PA, she has found her calling in the hematology oncology space and absolutely loves treating this patient population. On the heels of nearly a decade of practicing medicine, married to a surgeon in training and then a surgeon, as a new mom to a brand new baby, she found herself a transplant to a new area without close friends or family support. She struggled with depression and postpartum anxiety and then decided to get her body moving and get herself back to work. This propelled her to feel like she had found herself again. At this time, she began working with pre-PA students who were on their journey to becoming a PAs and her business, The Posh PA, was born. Now Michelle shows up as her hilarious and authentic self on the internet through coaching and programs to help guide, educate, inspire, and encourage aspiring PAs. Her ultimate dream is to build a community where pre PAs, practicing PAs, and PA students can connect, share encouragement and experiences, and support one another on their own individual journeys. Count me in, Michelle. I totally want to be a part <laughs> of this community. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Fulfilled Podcast. Thank you for having me. Wow,
2: that introduction was amazing. Thank you so
1: much. I feel like we should all do that periodically where someone writes a very flattering bio of oh, us and like just I'm send like, it to us. I'm like, starting to get hot. I'm like... <laughs> Over here, <laughs> I certainly like uh, you are one of the very first people that I started following on Instagram. When I was like, I mean, her personality is way bigger than mine, but like, if she can do it, I can do it. Like, <laughs> you don't know
2: that was like the. It's so funny because I just got asked to write something that was like, "What was the hardest part of you starting this business when you already had another career?" And my number one answer was putting myself out there. Do you believe that? You couldn't believe that right. now, because <laughs> now I'm like, here you go. Right. But like that was. That was the hardest part, yeah, for sure. But now I'm so
1: comfortable, and you know, it's it's funny. (laughs) But thank you very much. That was very nice. Yes. yes. All right. So I'm so excited today that you're going to share some of your humor and also your wisdom. Yeah. So I want to talk about this series of events that sounds like something that probably a lot of moms in medicine are experiencing, where you first started feeling burned out, Mm -hmm. and then you had a baby, which I think it's just like very overwhelming at all anyway. Yeah. And so it sounds like you were feeling burned out with medicine and then your daughter was born, you moved to a new city. It's like the trifecta of things that are going to make you feel kind
2: of lost. It was the perfect storm. So um, Dave and I got married when, so it was really funny because just quickly, I, Dave and I met before we went to our respective schools, very short period of time. And we were dating for a couple months and he went to medical school in Albany and I was, I was still in Boston. And I was like, what am I, I'm I'm applying to PA schools and like all that. And he went to medical school. I went to PA school in Connecticut. And then we basically made the long distance thing work for the whole time that he was in medical school and I was in PA school. And then we got married and we moved to Miami. It was like, really like, you know, (laughs) felt like just a whirlwind. We were in Miami for five years. And then I was working actually in Miami, is where I had my first oncology job. And I loved it. And we were there for, you know, five years. And then we moved to Texas for his fellowship. And while I had so many career goals met when I was in Houston, doing a lot of different things, becoming a supervisor, you know, being president of APAO, like all these things, I worked constantly. And so did he because we didn't really love Houston. Sorry, Houstonians. Um, we didn't really love Houston. Um, and we knew we weren't going to stay there. And so we both kind of just threw ourselves into our career. And so we kind of burned out on working, you know, just because we worked like all the time, you know, we didn't really have and then I found out I was pregnant. And we were Dave was looking for positions in multiple areas of the country. And we knew sort of that we wanted to come back to this area because it's not that far from our families that's in the Northeast. And I came here and I fell in love with it and I could understand why he fell in love with it. So, you know, we came to Charleston, I moved to Charleston six weeks before Dave did, and I was 32 weeks pregnant. So oh I was like, you know, I this is like a doctor I'm seeing for the first time. This is like a house with nobody no in anyone. it and no furniture. Yeah. We have no family here. We have no neighbors that we know. I mean, like nobody. Know, like um, get
1: furniture in the house when you're so pregnant and they're alone. Oh, it like was, I
2: think that's out. why I went into labor early because I wound up having Mia three and a half weeks early. And I think because I was just like moving stuff and like doing, it was insane. Like at one point we only had outdoor furniture that we moved inside. <laughs> we had no furniture. And then I was due in August and then, you know, Dave arrived And literally, I'm not joking you. She came three days after he showed up here in Charleston. My mom was with me like for a while. And then I'm like, woke up one morning and I'm like, what is this situation? Like, I don't feel that good. And then like my water broke. I'm like, what's happened? I'm like, this is like, I'm a medical person, but this is like early. Like, it's crazy. So we went and yeah. So it was just. You know, when I was in Houston, I worked really hard. I had a lot of administrative responsibilities. I I probably worked 60 plus hours a week. Dave was working like crazy. And at that point, like when I left Houston, I was like, I need a break. Like I need a break from this. And I don't think I can go back to work like in this capacity after I have her. Um, I can't work this much and I don't want to. Like I'm actually starting to hate my job. Like I don't want to work this hard. I don't want to be bitter I don't want to come home and talk about it like all the time in a negative way. And so when I had her, I um, had kind of some connections that I might start part time, like going back to work, but I had her and the delivery was fairly straightforward. But then I had a little trouble with like the afterbirth part. They told me everything was fine. I came home. I looked at that child and I like started crying like you cannot imagine. And so when I saw my, my OB, like after the first two weeks, she's like, oh, it's probably baby blues, like see this person, see this person. I'm like, you're right. And then certainly after the first two weeks, I started to feel a little bit better. And then I had bleeding like, I don't know, six weeks after. And so I went for my six week postpartum and they said, you have retained products like in, you know. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this was already like, I'm already not in a good headspace, And now I have this problem. And they're like, you have to go in for a DNC. I remember being so angry, mm-hmm. like so angry. And Dave was like, Okay, like, why are you so angry? I'm like, because I already feel like this is a mess. Like, I already feel like. Well, that's going
1: wrong. It's yeah, just-
2: like I'm in this place. I don't know anybody. I have this baby. She cries a lot. Like, I don't know what the problem is. You know, blah blah blah. And all the time because
1: he's like a new attending.
2: And he's working all the time because we have no health insurance. And he's like getting our health insurance and getting into being an attending. And I'm like, I I don't, I don't know. So anyway, I go in for what seems to be a routine DNC and then at the same time, Mia is basically colicky. We don't know why. I mean, I have never heard a child scream like that in my life. Like I took her to the doctor. They did all these tests. You know, it was just horrible. And my, my parents were, my mom was like, I've
1: never like heard a baby scream. It's like crazy. And you're like, what am I doing wrong? And like, I'm, I'm like, this I'm- baby hates
2: me. <laughs> like I'm scr- like, you know, I'm trying to breastfeed the whole thing. And So anyway, I go in for this procedure that's supposed to be like in and out 15 minutes. I wind up the next, the next thing I know, I wind up with like IVs in both arms, shaking like rigers from something. I don't know what's going on. I keep asking Dave. He doesn't want to tell me what's going on. I'm like, what, what is the situation here? Like what happened? And they, I guess, because I had the retained products for so long, my uterus was very friable and a little introverted and they went right through. Uh, so I had a perforation and then they had to do a laparoscopy to make sure my bowel wasn't perforated So I wound up intubated and like all this stuff
1: Not what you were expecting
2: Not what I was expecting and then the following day felt so awful like headache blah 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 She's still screaming her brains out And then the following day I woke up and I vividly remember this like I was supposed to get a haircut It was like my first haircut like god knows how long I get up to go get the haircut I called Dave and I was like, "You have to call the hospital. Like, I need to go to the hospital." And he was like, "Why? What's the problem?" I'm like, "I'm not safe. Like, I can't get out of bed. I'm, I'm, I'm shaking. Like, I feel really sick. I don't want to be near anybody. Like, I can't get up."
1: And, Something is wrong. Something
2: and is wrong. he, I'm like, "Something is wrong. Like, I need to get up. I, I can't get up." And And then I called like my OB and my, and my, my mom and, you know, my mom was here. And then I was like, okay, well she, I went in to see my OB and she's like, clearly this just triggered, you know, postpartum. I was super anxious. So she got me in to see a psychiatrist like the next day. And then I went to see her twice a week until I, you know, was able to recover and go on some medication. And at the same time, kind of parallel time. Mia and I Mia was diagnosed with a milk intolerance. She had blood in her Mm -hmm. stool, like the whole thing. So we changed her to formula. So like we started getting better sort of at the same time. (laughs) And And um
1: mom to feel like I'm trying to get myself well. I'm trying to get this kid well. It was bad scene.
2: I couldn't breast I couldn't breastfeed anymore. They're like, you're done. Um that was six weeks in. Then I hated breastfeeding. (laughs) But at the same time, like you feel this super mom guilt, like, like nothing I've ever felt. Um, I also feel like I'm doing everything I can and nothing is working for this kid, you know? And, uh, my dad flew down. Like, it was just, I never felt so helpless in my entire life, but at the same time I had the wherewithal to be like, I can't do this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I, I, it was so uncomfortable to be out of control of my own self that I couldn't, I couldn't live that way. Like I'd rather, do you know what I mean? I was like, I can't live this way. Like I need, I need help. And so.
1: Especially with someone who's never had anxiety before hers only had like anxiety and like specific.
2: And specific situations. I'm never, my, my dad and my sister are very much worriers. I'm not that way. Very much like my mom, but this was like, I was, after this experience, I was like, I will never take my mental health (laughs) for granted ever again. Um, But the number one thing that helped me was asking somebody for help. Like, I don't know how many moms out there suffer from this in silence. And I know it's thousands, thousands. Cause I called my best friend and I'm like, what is the situation here? Like, I'm losing my mind. Oh yeah, I did that too. I cried for like two weeks in the shower. I'm like, well, why didn't anyone tell me? Like, why didn't anyone tell me this was like a thing? Like I had no idea this was a thing. And you know, they were like, oh, well, you know, we just, just kind of part of the process or whatever. I'm like, no, it's not, it shouldn't be to have that guilt and, and just feel helpless that you can't help yourself. You can't help your child. I never Um, wanted to like hurt her. Yeah. I never wanted to hurt her or anything like that, but I just couldn't like when she screamed, it was like, just even still, if she screams like that, I'm like, Oh, like, you know, it's kind of, but the number one thing was, you know, me being like, no, 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 I need help. Like now, like, you know, and so I think a lot of people don't want to do that. Um, there's a lot of, like I said, mom guilt around, but, um, It was. It took a little time, but you know, I I didn't want to take medicine. I'm not a medicine taker. Um, I felt like it was a failure if I took, you know, an antidepressant or anti anxiety medicine. um, I felt awful taking them initially, and then I was like, why do I care? Like what other people think I take? Like I don't. I
1: need to be healthy and sane to take care of this. Exactly.
2: I need to take care of this kid. I need to take care of my house. I need to like take care of my. me and be a yeah, you know myself first and
1: then yeah and then so it.
2: after I like changed my mindset and you know like I said my psychologist is amazing um slowly but surely came back to start feeling more like the person I was before I had her and looking back in retrospect like even though that was a super hard year of my life like I'm so different and better because of it that I don't think I'd be where I am because it just was such a humbling experience. And I feel really, really fortunate to have come out the other side, but I also feel fortunate that I'm not somebody that can live with the feeling of being out of control where I feel like a lot of other people just keep it to themselves. And I hate the thought of that for them, but.
1: I think I hear that from a lot of moms. Like they say, like, I was struggling or like, I felt like something was wrong. And even it's like, it's people who, like you and I, who have yeah. a spouse with a career and health insurance and a parent who, yes. like, a parent. like, it's not like we don't have support. We do have support. And sometimes I felt like I had a little bit of postpartum depression after a couple of my, very many kids were born. And I felt like, <laughs> oh, Dan, I just feel like something's wrong. Like, I'm like, yeah. this isn't me. I don't feel right. And he was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Like, I wish there was something we could do. And I honestly, like, it's so when it's you. When if a patient says to you, yeah, I'm struggling sure with mental health, you're like, oh, like here's your referral. Like don't, like I'll follow up and see how you're doing in a couple of weeks. But like when it's you, you're like, oh, I don't know what yeah. to do. Like I don't know who to see. I don't right. know like how to find resources for this. I don't know like yeah, you where know, the OB like gives you that questionnaire, the pediatrician. <laughs> the questionnaire. I'm like, this is it. This is the whole screening for mental health for a human who's in charge of another human, maybe many humans. I know. And you yeah. feel, you feel, do you know, check, check. And they're like, okay, you're sane. I'm like, but I don't feel sane. Yeah. You
2: know? yeah. And I remember calling my OB and being like, <laughs> I, I talked to a nurse. I'm like, she used to call me like today. And I remember being on the phone like hysterically crying be like you need to help me fix this problem like now. Like I, I I mean I didn't know anybody else. Like I was like I don't know what to do. So um yeah, and it, I think that's a good way of putting it though too. Like even before that happened, like in the normal like postpartum period before I had a complication, I I just didn't feel like you said I just didn't feel I was like in a funk like 24/7, you know, and think about people that don't have access to care and, and things like that.
1: It's scary. It's kind of sad. It's important to have good self-awareness and to know, like, is this my baseline? Right. And I think it gets confounded by the fact that like, Oh, I haven't slept the full night ever, ever. You know, like, you're like, am I just tired? Like, am I just crazy? Like, (laughs)
2: It's like, I'm watching orange is the new black in the middle of the night pumping feeding the baby like like, like, something
1: wrong with this (laughs) amazon all hours of the night and i'm like am i manic or am i nursing like i don't know (laughs) i mean that
2: hormone fluctuation is real so for sure it's insane it's insane insane. but i again like i don't know i feel like in some ways even though the beginning was hard my mia and i have a strong connection i think because we both went through a similar process (laughs) like even though we were in different places. And so, but yes, I just hope that anybody listening to this and is a new mom and just feels like I'm, I don't feel right, but just chalks it up to like bad night's sleep or, you know, just having a newborn thinks about it a little bit more because it, it it's real for sure. I mean,
1: ask for help in the worst case scenario is they send you to see a therapist and yeah. like, you didn't need one anyway. And right. like, it's going to hurt you. Like, it's not going to hurt. Everyone should be in therapy anyway. Oh my I God.
2: Think. I love my psychiatrist. I just like see her anyway.
1: I'm like, she's like, what are you doing here? I haven't seen
2: you in like four months. I'm like, I just want
1: to say, hi, <laughs> check but in, like, make you. sure I'm like, good. <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So I feel like we, you know, we've talked about being self-aware in that mm-hmm. situation, asking for help. What's one piece of advice you'd give the younger version of yourself, the person that like, yeah. Before you did this big move, like before Mia was born, where you're like on the horizon, there are big changes coming. Either mm-hmm. a human is going to leave my body, or we're moving. I'm changing jobs. I'm changing cities. My spouse is this. Like, what do you do to kind of, or what could you have done to prepare for that so you didn't feel mm-hmm. so alone after the changes happened?
2: Um, you know, it's hard because. I'm somebody that like when I go somewhere and I'm there, even if it's for a short period of time, I kind of go all in. Like when we went to Miami, the day Dave matched, I cried my eyes out because I never knew anything except living in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. And we were going to move to Miami for five years. I knew nothing. And I cried. And I, but when I got there, like I was nervous and scared and blah, blah, blah. But when I got there, I'm like, all right, if I'm gonna live here, like I'm going all in, I'm getting friends, I'm gonna find a job, I'm gonna enjoy every single minute that I'm here. The hard part for me moving from Miami to Houston, which was also the hardest time in our marriage because I didn't want to go, was I knew that was temporary and I couldn't like I couldn't go all in. So I went all in on my job, which probably was not the best idea. While I had so much opportunity, I turned down so many opportunities to like spend time with friends and go to the theater and to go to the opera and like do all these fun things with the friends I had met. And I purely went to work and I purely did exercise. Like I basically did triathlons and half marathons and then I went to work. And so I think when we moved to Miami, my thought was we're staying here or we're going back to the Northeast. And then that kind of changed in Dave's mind and my mind. And then, so even when we moved to South Carolina, I was afraid like the first year to kind of go all in just because I like to have a community, like I like to have a place, I like to, so if I could go back and just tell myself something, it would just be like, just to fully enjoy the time that I had in the place that I was going to be without thinking, you know, this is temporary or this is, you know, um, not going to last forever and just be more present. Cause I just, for, for like those three years, I just felt very, Not present, you know. It sounds
1: like you're kind of like holding your breath, and you're like, "I'll be happy when I'll be happy when we exactly just
2: looking towards the next thing instead of being, you know, focused in in what I've done. And I think that was because when I was in Miami, I was so in it that when when we had a move, I was like, "Okay, I'm never doing that again. You know
1: what I mean? That was hard to do. It was hard to do. So I think
2: it's just being. Being more present and just being more accepting of change than I was then. And knowing that while things can be temporary, some things in your life that are temporary are the most impactful. So, Mm -hmm. and that's what I know now that I didn't know then that even someone who's temporary can be the most impactful person Mm
1: -hmm. 10
2: years later. So just... It's just kind of trying to be there you know
1: I feel like you and I are very similar like I also have a history of doing triathlons and half marathons yeah. which we don't know for this moment um but I also feel like a couple of years ago I looked up and I was like dreaming these big dreams and I was having these big goals and I just sort of like told myself like I'll be happy when our house is paid off I'll be yes. happy when, you know I yes. fit in these jeans I'll be happy when this you know my marriage is like reached mm-hmm. this certain level as though there's levels in marriage like yeah. Mario like you just keep going. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And I just, I felt like I was like, so focused on the outcome that I was not enjoying the journey, which is like your whole life is the journey, like the destination, the moment in time Mm -hmm. and the getting there is that's where all the change happens. That's where all the fun happens. Mm -hmm. If you're not ignoring it. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you the same thing. Like Dave,
2: I mean, he trained for 10, almost 10 years. We come here and two years in, he's kind of moping around. I'm like, what you doing, bro? Like we moved three times for this. Like <laughs> what's
1: your This is p- it, man. Like this is what we've been training
2: for. <laughs> what's your problem? <laughs> this is it. Like we're here, you know, like this is a finish line. And he's like, and it's the exact thing that you just said. It's like, okay, I'm going to be happy when this, when and I'm, I'm going to be happy room. when this, and I'm going to be happy when I'm the attending and And it's not, that's not true. I mean, you can't live your life that way, you know? And I feel like for him and for me, I, I did that a little sooner after, you know, having me, but I think for him, it took some time, you know, let's enjoy this time. Like, this is the time that we have. This is the journey that we have. So it's definitely an evolution of thinking for sure.
1: Well, and it's, it's like, you're frustrated. It's like a carrot you're never going to catch. Like every yeah. time you get close, you like decided something else and you're like, no, I was so close. <laughs> and then I even got here, but then I decided this wasn't the destination anymore. Yes. That was, right. like, no, no. you know? <laughs> then you're like, no. And you're like, what am I doing? doing? But
2: I think <laughs> that's, I mean, it's part of being ambitious too, but there has to be some kind of balance. And I think I'm just so much more appreciative now of people that come in and out of my life and, you know, make an impact, even if it's for a short period of time and just try to go with the flow when it comes to that.
0: Hey guys, I'm so excited to introduce you to Sarah Palmer of This Graceful Beauty. Sarah is an RN by training, a mom through adoption, and my favorite makeup mama. Sarah is currently offering two Tracy bundles, the makeup bundle and the skincare bundle. The Makeup Bundle contains my daily go-to makeup items, a tinted moisturizer I use as foundation, the blush, eyeshadow, mascara, Bella lip color, and gloss that I use to go from bare-faced to work-ready in less than 5 minutes. The Skincare Bundle has all the best items for my nighttime routine, incredible climate control anti-aging spray, my favorite smoothing and correcting oil, firming neck cream, lip exfoliator, and gloss. It's the five products I use each night to keep my skin healthy. When placing your order with Sarah, simply mention that Tracy sent you. You'll get 10% off your bundle or 10% off any order over $50 and free shipping. You can find Sarah on Instagram at thisgracefulbeauty or email her at lipstickandgrace at gmail.com. That's lipstick n grace at gmail.com, or you can find that information in the show notes. You will love having a makeup and skincare routine that fits your life and your busy schedule.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting to hear you say before we logged on that you said, Oh, I feel like one of the hardest things was just deciding to put myself out there, deciding to be vulnerable and like my authentic self, because like from my perspective, you are like, first of all, you're definitely the funniest, but you're also like one of the most confident women I follow on social. Like before I go live, I'm like, okay, make sure, you know, like get re-, like, of no, like, I don't like,
2: care. I just woke up guys. Listen, what happened I'm today?
1: Like, <laughs> like I have a thing to say and I'm in my pajamas like, and I'm just like, I love that you're like, it's so hard for me to like reconcile who you are, like in this conversation and on social media, with, I know. like this woman that you were like before, like the yes. before I just the like
2: I mean, it's so funny because I have the very first live I ever did. Oh my God. It's so embarrassing. I was like sitting there with like the perfect sweater and the earrings and I'm like so stiff and I look horrible. And, but I, I will, I, I have to say, I took this video course. It was like, how to like do a live video? And this woman was like, save this video because years later, you're going to look at this and be like, and I'm like, you're a crazy lady. Like, there's no way I'm going to be comfortable. I look like an idiot. Like do it. But at some point, I just, I stopped thinking about social media as, or film, or me on video as a lot of people. I just started thinking of it as, as if I was talking to my friend, like, and it actually helped me in a lot of ways because sometimes I get on there and I vent and I cry and then I'm like, I feel amazing. <laughs> A therapist, just go on Instagram and tell the people. And like, some people will like respond and be like, yeah, you know? And, and so I just, I just changed instead of thinking so much about the algorithm and what I should post and when I should post it and thinking about, you know, all of that and the logistics, I just I'm like, I'm just going to go on And talk to people like I talk to them every single day. And that was the time that really that changed. I changed my mindset about social media. And then it changed how I came across, I feel like, Mm -hmm. on social media. Because I really like, but there are days where like I go all day without being on. And then I'm like, oh, I got to check in with my peeps. I'm like, I don't even have anything to say just say an I like, you know, and like, see you for later.
1: 20, followers. <laughs> yeah. I'm
2: like, I didn't, I wasn't on here today. Why? Because I ran around like a lunatic and I have a homeschooler and I have, you know, the situation, but I just stopped thinking about it as a place where I had to post certain content at a certain time and be this person like for everybody. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't wear makeup like half the okay. time. Like, yeah, I look good when I go to work. Yeah. Like I take showers some days, <laughs> but like, either I'm in my workout gear I'm in the bed I'm like I don't care I'm in the kitchen like Dave's like are you really looking Like you're going on I'm like, I'm like I don't care these people do not care they have seen me in all the ways <laughs> so, but that was really instead of looking at it as like a business thing I looked at it like this is just this is just gonna be what's gonna be it's and then true. but that was the hardest transition because I'm like I feel like such a dork like who's gonna want to hear from me That
1: gives me hope for the future because I feel like you did not come off as a dork, and I'm like the stage you were eight stages ago.
2: Yeah, I'm like, who who cares what I say? And then, but like, and I'm like, why should I even be on here? No one cares what I say. That's not true. If there's five people that watch your video, that means five people care about what you say. And even if they don't care about what you say, if something that you said had an impact on them, if it's one person, it's enough for me. You know,
1: influencer, just like that, one One person.
2: person, Just takes one. That's my motto all the time. But like, I really, I've really grown as a person, but also in my confidence and being more comfortable in myself, it was not easy. Um, But I felt by sharing that with people, it made it a lot easier by saying, and when I talk to other people who are trying to grow their social media, I'm like, honestly, just be honest with these people. Like, that's what they want. Like, just be yourself and people will like it or not. You're always going to have haters. You're always going to have people that love you. Like it doesn't matter. What is your purpose? Is it your purpose to help one more person feel better about themselves? Is it your purpose to help one more person be a PA? Is it it to have one more person not feel burned out and guilty as a mom? Like what is it? Because if you help one person do that, you succeed. And so I just think that people really relate to people who are more, you know, genuine and, and once I changed my mindset on that, is one things for me personally, but also my business, started to grow. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I think you can see that from the outside looking in. So I'd love to change gears a little bit. Yeah. Talk to about you know so, your husband is a surgeon. Yes. Which is like a crazy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I work with surgeons, and I would, God bless, because I would never want to be married to one because yeah. they have the work schedules worst, like the worst, the worst. <laughs> So you have a business, you guys are two busy professionals and you have a daughter who I'm sure is, I mean, she's homeschooling right now because of the pandemic, like I'm sure she has ear infections or whatever it is that your kid has that someone needs to like, oh crap, we are both going to work today, Mm -hmm. but my Z is happening. So, you know, with two full-time working parents, both in medicine, like Mm -hmm. both with a schedule to keep, how does that work at your house? It's predominantly me. <laughs> I hate to say that. You're not that. alone, sister. You are not alone.
2: Um, You know, I love Dave. Like he's my husband. He is the breadwinner for our family. I sacrificed a lot, you know, moving multiple times for him and his career while I worked as a PA, but I don't resent him for that for any reason at all. But what I learned over the course of many years was that I will always be the one responsible for a number of reasons. And it's not that he doesn't want to do it or he like, he like, there are just times that he just can't do it.
1: Like he's responsible for post-op patients. Exactly. So like he,
2: you know, he does the best he can, you know, and we altered our sort of plan for her for schools she was going to public school forever. And and then we changed to a private school because it's across the street from where we work. And he can be a participant. He can drop yeah. her, he can pick her up, he can go to something if I, you know, if we block off his calendar in the middle of the day, rather than it just be me being there all the time because then she, you know, just gets very glued on me and then kind of gets angry at him. Like, she's like, where are you? Like, and she loves,
1: she,
2: she I'm telling you the child is so much better when he's around so much better. And I think it's because she just wants him to be there, you know, like he's so, when we were deciding to put her in when grade school, when we we're deciding to put her in public versus private. Like, I never thought of sending her to a private school, neither did Dave. We're public school people, but it was so convenient that we were like, if you want to be part of our life, like, this is what we have to do. And it was awesome because he picked her, he drove her some morning. She loved it. You know, he picked her up some days that I did. I, he's like, Oh, I can get her. I'm out. I'm like, great. Like, yeah, yes. yes fantastic. So. You know? So that was kind of game changing, like picking a school that like both of us could kind of toggle, um, with the pandemic, everything kind of went out the window. Um, but she is supposed to go back on Tuesday. But I will say that, um, like if he, there are certain things that like he's responsible for. It's not that many things, but there are certain things like I can't do. And then there's certain things that, you know, I'm responsible for. He contributes, he loves to cook. So I'm like,
1: Oh, yay. That's good. So he does a a lot of the meal prep.
2: (laughs) Like he does a lot of the meal prep. He does a lot of things. So like, you got to find some balance, you know, like some balance where even though I hate doing some of the things or it, if she's sick, like it's automatically me because unless he has like a research day or something like that, like it's usually me. Um, you're like, please get sick on a research
1: day. Exactly.
2: (laughs) But I mean, I also set myself up in a position where I knew I had that flexibility.
1: So how many days a week do you work? So
2: I work three days. So I did that on purpose because I knew this was going to happen. So I was like, I'm gonna do this on purpose, and um, and then initially when I started working part time, I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like, I'm a full time working person. Like, I feel like I'm either in or out. Like, I don't. What am I gonna do? Yeah, 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 but no, it worked out great because you know when you you forget, even if you have one kid or four, the laundry, the the groceries, the the lawn, like the dishwasher, like.
1: I'm like, I'm like constantly saying I would be a much better employee and a much better wife if I had a wife. <laughs> yes. Like, like yes. a full-time keeper. Yeah.
2: And I'm like, listen, like we had this. So we had a nanny that was amazing um when Mia was little and until she went to school and then she left. I'm like, oh my God, I have to do all these things. Like I have to do all the things. And so it definitely is a give and take for sure but i feel like we've been balancing it pretty well his schedule has been less crazy with the pandemic so that has helped a little bit but it's a work in progress at all times
1: what type of surgeon is he
2: so he's a board certified ent but he only does head and neck cancer surgery so Mm -hmm. these are not people like because people like during the pandemic they're like canceling elective surgery it's not elective if you have a tumor in your mouth like No. no so he worked the whole time. And I, you know, I've been working the whole time too, but, um, the
1: business of the airway he's working.
2: Exactly. So we were freaked out, but he is, I will say he is home more. Um, cause when he's actually taken the days that he used to work, like doing administrative stuff at work to home. So that has been helpful even just to let the dogs out. So like, yeah. even if he's working and he's here, at least he can like alone. let the dogs out and we don't have to pay for a dog walker. And, you know, we're not here alone and you can say, hi, you know, it's not. So I do think that we've had to all kind of adjust, but I also think that we make sure there are certain times during the day that it's like phones down people in. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. um, we have sort of a routine with Mia that like after dinner we play a couple games before she goes upstairs to read and like go to bed. And it's usually uno or whatever. But during that time, like no phones. That's
1: like, so fun. That's everybody's important.
2: phones down. Um, and Sundays, we tend to shut it down. So
1: do you ever feel like resentful that it's you or you feel like, oh, that totally. Like, Getting. <laughs> <kidding>. Okay. <laughs> You sound so at peace with it. I was like, oh, she's like way ahead of me on this journey. She's like, oh, it's always me and it's yeah. fine. I'm like, like,
2: you are the most unreliable person I've ever met in my life. Also, you can't remember anything. With my, no. Like literally the nickname for Dave in my family is the absent-minded professor. Because this guy is all in at work. He doesn't forget a thing at work. Yeah. When he is home, he's a total space cadet. Like Wait. he'll go to the grocery store for a recipe, and he'll come back and be like, "Oh man, I forgot the whatever." And I'm like, "Are you for real?" Me, like,
1: yeah, like the main ingredient. <laughs> what's your problem?
2: Like, I don't understand you. Like, and I don't pretend to not be irritated. I'm like, that is just not smart.
1: <laughs> like, that makes me feel better. That makes me feel better.
2: No, I'm, it took me a really long time to not be resentful of him for a lot of different things, and there are some days that I am very annoyed that I'm mm. like. You know, cause even today I was recording a podcast earlier for my podcast and he came in here I'm like, what do you want? Like I have like one to like do the thing, like get out, you know? And, um, so it is hard. Um, we're not perfect beings and he gets mad at me too, like for, you know, working on Saturdays and things like that. But I'm like, you know what? Like as long as we hash it out, it's okay. Like mm-hmm. as long as we're not keeping it inside,
1: Cause I'll just, seven, I'm nine, very
2: yeah. like, what's your problem? What's the problem? Let's get the problem. And he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, no, you're not fine. You have a grimace like 24 seven. You have like a grimace face. You got that face. Like I've been with you for 20 years. Like I know your face. And, uh, and so sometimes you got to get into it. Yeah. That's okay. As long as we're getting into it and not keeping it to ourselves. So. Sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's important. If you harbor resentment for too long, first of all, it doesn't bother them because they don't even know. Like, yeah. like holding on to it, like it makes you bitter. You're like, I'm just so mad at you. But I'm just going to so it about myself. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know why we do that as you. Huh?
2: I agree. But I don't think there's so, anything to be feel guilty about. I think, you know, it's a marriage. You got married, you love each other, but you're also like people and like. Yeah, yeah. And normal men and women that have things that annoy them, and like
1: no one's perfect, no one's perfect.
2: no one's perfect. perfect, and you shouldn't feel no. guilty about wanting to kill
1: your husband right now and then. <laughs> like it's not, you know. I mean, am sure he wants to kill me too. It's fine. The police are listening. This is all theoretical.
2: Yes. This is not, like, no. Yeah. No. Do not call the police. This is just a theoretical
1: conversation. <laughs> if any, all the people listening are like going to be married moms. So <laughs> gonna be like yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> No, I definitely feel like that's like, I think it's important for people to hear, hear that our marriages are also hard, you know, oh, like, it's just like, you know, like my marriage is hard. far from
2: perfect. And I am the, and Dave and I are the first to admit it. I mean, it is a absolute work in progress every day. So, I mean, we kind of grew up together and I think for me, um, it's learning how the other person responds to certain things. I like to push him until he like, I want, you know, I'm a pusher. Like I want, the, I want to talk about it. I want the answer. I want it now. And he is very, <laughs> like
1: when I the same person. and
2: he is very internalized and has to like, think it through. I'm like, can't you just speak? Like just speak, but that does not work. And then it winds up in like a big explosion. If I don't just let him like process. So, but eventually if I let him process, he will come back. So it's just learning the other, like what the other person can respond to. And while sometimes it drives me insane, like that's kind of how you have to deal with it. Like not everybody handles their own emotions and thoughts in the same way. So that's been the biggest learning thing I feel like in our marriage.
1: Yeah. The other day we are having a conversation. Dan's like, we're arguing. I was like, we're talking loudly. Like, we're talking loudly. And I'm like, oh, da, da, da. I'm just like, da, da, da. and he's yeah. like, I cannot even, you're talking so fast. He's like, I don't even know. I can't even. I can't like, hear I'm, you. I can't even understand, like, what all you're saying. Like, I want to stop you, but you'll just get mad that I'm interrupting you. So, like, what am I to do? Like, he just like. That's what like, David
2: He's like, are you done? I'm like, no, I have this,
1: this, and this. Things. I have more thing to tell you at you. I'm just talking at you. It'll be your turn in a minute. Just wait your turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: But then how do you like with your kids, you know, cause I have one kid and I can't even handle it, but I mean, how do you kind of have them handle their frustrations and speak their mind? Because I find that Mia has similar traits to me in some ways, and then similar traits to Dave and others. And I am trying to have her handle her fear and anxiety about being separate from me going to school. Like I had that when I was little and she gets very, but she can't like control her emotions. And then she has other things like Dave where she just like holds it in and then just kind of lets. it. so I'm like, I don't know how to handle this with you. Like, you know, she's more, I don't know. It's kind of hard. How do you guys deal with
1: that? I usually ask them, like, I don't know if this is a good strategy or not. It has not, like, been amazing. It's just what we do. I'm usually like, oh, I see that you're, like, you seem frustrated. And my my three-year-old's like, I'm not frustrated. I'm super mad. I'm like, okay. Like, I see that you're super mad. I'm like, what's making you super mad? And he's like, it's usually something extremely trivial. Like, it's like, there's only I can only find one shoe. You know, and he's just yeah. A, like a disaster like it takes 10 minutes of like trying to yes. calm down to figure out that he can't find the other shoe which yes. is probably on his other foot or like in his hand or something yeah and he's like I just like don't and then sometimes he's like you're pressuring me I'm like well I I can't help you if you're if I'm like I don't how yeah. am I supposed to find the information if I don't know like I feel like I always I'm parenting always- is like ridiculous it's just I just hope you know yeah, well, I really thing. like. I know. I'm like. I don't know if we're like screwing 100 percent of our children <laughs> on any given day either. But I'm just like, mom, you're rushing me. I'm like, well, we're in a hurry. Like, yeah. <laughs> you like, let's hey, roll. <laughs> Mommy had surgery in 20 minutes, and we haven't left the house yet. And the hospital right. 20 minutes from daycare, so there's like a zero percent chance I'm <laughs> going to be there on time. And they're like, well, why are you in such a hurry? I'm like, well, I need to take someone's kidney out. And they're like, you're operating on a kid's <laughs> knee today? And like. Like, just like get in the car. We can have this conversation in the car. So I feel like I just need to build more margin into the schedule. So I'm not doing that because like they can tell. But, you know, too,
2: as they get older, I'm sure your older ones like she like literally is super interested in she does not stop asking questions. So, like, if I tell her daddy has to go to work, why? I'm like, because he has a surgery this morning. On who? I'm like, I don't know. What is he doing? Like, very specific. <laughs> like, <laughs> take it out. I'm not going to tell her. If I – I mean, poor thing. She would I lose mean, it. I mean, she would yeah. lose it. So, uh, you know, at the same time, it's like – Age appropriate.
1: Age yeah, appropriate.
2: Age appropriate. Yeah, age <laughs> appropriate. I'm like, I told Dave, I'm like, oh, my God. Just have her be a good person. That's all I want. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know. Our kids – well, I have 2 stepsons that are now – sophomores and seniors in high school oh wow so they are old like a whole different ball game of parenting teenagers yeah. as opposed to mothers but one time they drew us this cartoon in a newspaper and it was called the saturday morning news n-o-o-z-e very clever because it was like this news news um and they were drawing a cartoon and it was me at that That's time so i was taking cool. a lot of call and i did general surgery but occasionally we did like amp so we did b-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k- yeah. Me. and I don't think I even had told them I was doing amps at work but I would tell them like they'd be like oh my toe my toe and I was like let's just cut it off like joking joking <laughs> joking at home like oh like and then they'd be like it's better it's better I don't <laughs> cut it off. like I was totally kidding it was something my dad said for you He'd oh I,
2: we do that all the time, time by, by the way, way. we're and like oh we should
1: probably cut, cut it, off. it <laughs> off and they're like oh no it's fine it's fine I'll like, walk it off you know so <laughs> They drew this picture of me. Like, I have a beeper. It's like back in the day. I have a beeper. I get beeped and I go to the hospital. I'm driving real fast. There's like a cartoon. I'm driving real fast to the hospital. And then there's a patient screaming on the OR table, getting their leg chopped off. <laughs> oh my God. Like, and they're like, this is what you do. And I'm like, so let's talk about anesthesia. Like, <laughs> you know, so I talk. I'm trying to explain anesthesia oh to my a, God. a big girl. And he's like, they kill them? I'm like, no, they don't kill them. They're dead. <laughs> They're just like very deeply sleeping. And he's like, Someone might come in the middle of the night and cut my leg off. I'm like, Nope, that's not gonna happen either. You know, I've been a it's mom a for like scheduled
0: procedure. Like, okay. Yeah.
1: I no idea what I'm doing. And Dan's like, You're scaring them. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to back out of this, but like I got now. I'm in too deep. Now they're like, know, I'm, just,
2: I'm gonna just gonna moonwalk out of this. Right? <laughs>
1: I'm just like oh, it's, it was so funny. And I have of my older kids. One is like, oh, god. "Tell me about the gallbladder." Like, "Tell me about the colon." And one is like, "Gallbladder, I'm faint. I'm feeling faint. Like, I can't." I me,
2: mean, Mia is so <laughs> the opposite. She's so inquisitive. She's like, "What's the esophagus? What's this? What's that?" I'm like, "Oh my god! Yeah, please stop an asking me questions. Doll. I can't." It's
1: <laughs> Like, we got Cooper one time an anatomy doll, and it was like, <laughs> it was like wrapped in like clear plastic. You take the case off, and he'd be like what did you remove today? <laughs> like, hey, this is disturbing, like, oh, but, but true. <laughs> but, but And he was like, very, he's now probably like, don't talk to me. I'm a teenager. Yeah. But then he was like, show me what part of the colon. So we like, take it out. And like I was like this. And he's like, where does the poop go? I'm like, oh my well, God. You're like, I'm well. And I'm like, they have a bag. That's and he's awesome. like, a bag? <laughs> like, like, like he's probably scarred for life now because I told him this. Like, no,
2: this so is so. going to be good for him later in life. He just doesn't know it. <laughs>
1: our kids I feel like if nothing else our older kids they were 10 and 12 when we started having the younger ones and so I feel like I should get a thank you note from their future (laughs) spouse that they like know like all things like exactly like all things like nursing there was one time after Colby was born it was like he was two days old like we had just gotten home from the hospital our big kids were little we're watching this corny movie and at the (laughs) end Like I fell asleep holding a baby. I'm exhausted. I just gave birth. Yeah. And I wake up and it's the end of the movie and it's like this corny like the the boy finds his family. Like it's this like sappy so song. Yeah. And I'm yeah. I'm like my face is fine, but I'm tears are streaming down my face. Like I'm like crying. I'm totally losing it. And Dan, I can so I can hear him say this. The boys are like dad dad. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what's What's wrong? What's happening here? Like, what's 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 the problem over there? She's crying, like she's crying, and Dan says very clearly, "Just don't make eye contact (laughs) with Gobert." He just, like, like, he's like, "Don't engage. Just ignore. Just ignore. ignore."
2: Walk away. Walk (laughs) away." You'll
1: be okay. And then the boys will say, remember when you were a hot mess, like after the kids were born? I'm like, someday you will have a wife who's exactly. a hot mess. Call, call me when your
2: not. wife's a hot mess.
1: Thank you. You will understand. <laughs> you will, like you will thank me for this moment. Exactly. And then Cooper said, I had made like spaghetti and meatballs. I'm like pregnant out to here with one of the kids. And I'm like, I'm having a peanut butter sandwich. Like I'm not yeah. having this. And he's like, actually, we have a rule that you have to eat what's for dinner. And Dan's like, uh, excuse me, um, but actually no rules. He says no rules apply to pregnant women. Like that's just, they don't have to follow the rules. And Cooper says like, he thinks about it. He's probably like 14, yeah. maybe 12, you know? And he's like, this rule will benefit me in no way ever. Like, it's <laughs> like, I will never gain from this wor- this exception for pregnant yes, women. Yes, you will. Like, well, it's probably good to know it, right? Like yeah. it's good to
2: know yes, later. Yes, you time, will. You for know, later you know. in the life, later good in, good in the life. life. Yes. Someday, we'll Someday you. your future wife will be very happy with this.
1: I'm like, I'm raising like the future, like involved fathers of America. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
2: So what are you, what are you hoping to tell people with this, tell moms in medicine, you know, what this, this podcast is about just reality, right? Yeah.
1: So I want to share with them like stories from the trenches, like other moms Yeah. say, Oh, it may look on Instagram like I have it all together. Oh um, God,
2: someone's like, I'm "You look you have like it all together." I'm like, "Have you watched my stories?"
1: <laughs> so I just, that I just want to, I just like normalize like yeah. n- mediocrity. No, I'm not trying to normalize. Just like what's normal. Yeah, and yeah, that this is like, it's a very motherhood is very demanding. Medicine is very demanding. Yes, being a mom who works in medicine, I sometimes feel like you wake up in the morning and you have to be on. You're like. You know, wiping noses, then you're saving lives, then you're wiping noses again, then mm-hmm. you're wiping butts. Like it's just yeah. like someone you at all hours of the day. So yeah. I want people to hear that they should prioritize themselves and yeah. they can. Yeah. That if what you're doing is not making you feel fulfilled, if you feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. and frazzled and like your life is running you and you're not running your life, it does not have to be like that. No. It's not going to change overnight, but the exactly. first thing you can do is identify like, oh, I wish mm-hmm. I could stay home on a Thursday and keep our house like standing and do the 13 loads of laundry that I need to yeah. do. Like, I wish I could go get my nails done. I wish that I could go to my kid's pageant, mm-hmm. but I worked, you know, whatever success looks like for you. And it's different for me and it's different for Michelle and it's yeah. different for you. You have to first decide where you're aiming. Yeah then you have to have some hard conversations both with yourself and your spouse and probably your employer where you mm-hmm. say like this is and isn't working for me I need to institute the following boundaries so that I can stay sane and stay in this game because mm-hmm. I think what happens is people get in to medicine and they love it or don't love it and they're kind of bumping along and then humans show up mm-hmm. that they made or adopted or what you know and then, and you can't get out of motherhood. Right? No. Like, so like, they never go
2: medicine. away.
1: That's like They're, <laughs> they're like hundred years old and you're still like worrying in your grave about them. So like, you know, you can get out of medicine, but you can't get out of motherhood. Yeah. And so I think the thing that tends to give is that we have amazing providers, mm-hmm. amazing clinicians, amazing nurses that are saying like, I I'm out. And they're not they're not going part-time because they don't feel supported. They're right. not trying yeah. to find another avenue for their skills. They're just saying, I can't do all the things and this thing's got to go because yeah. it's not human. So it, like, it's the thing I can cut for my life. And right. so if you need to do that, you need to do that. But I think if more people had some tools to figure out what it looked like for them, mm-hmm. we might have less great, incredible women walk away altogether. I agree. Yeah, In the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, like my initial goal was just to figure out, like literally, this was like 2015 after Mia, after I started feeling better. She was born in 2014. I was like, I literally have to figure out a time where I can literally exercise for 30 minutes and not want to kill my husband because like he can't be here when I go to an exercise class. That's when I started working out at home. That was my actual goal, was to like work out. Like that's it. Like it was one goal. And then from there, I was like, oh, I feel really good. Like now I feel like I'm so much more myself. What's my next, like, I felt more in control, you know, of my life where before, like you said, I felt like my life was out Thank of control and That's- then I was like, okay, well now I have control of this. So what's next? My job. What, what can my hours be like that I cannot have to pay a nanny on these days and like stay home to do this. And luckily, you know, my employer excellent, you know,
1: they've been so awesome to me. Um, and then if you never ask, they will never offer to an overwhelmed full-time mom. Hey, do you want to just go part-time? Cause I think it would work better for your family. Like yeah. you have to ask. Well, also like, like, I'm like, I'm
2: good at my job. I, I produce a lot. Like this was my argument. Like I'm seeing as many patients as a full-time. I don't need to be here every day. I can make that quota in three days, like hands down, you know? So it was being able to articulate that. And then coming home and being like, I really like this control. Like what, what do I else do? Cause people are like, why do you, why did you take on this other thing? And I'm like, well, it's not that I felt like I needed, like, I I guess I did in some way, but it was about me having something that was mine Mm -hmm. that I could control that made me happy. That was a positive outlet, you know, for the things. And so I completely agree with you. Like yeah, there were times where I felt totally stuck. And like, what was I doing? But if you don't even take the initial step to be like, like, literally, my first step was so small. And you know, it was like, try to figure out a way to get your exercise in. Like, that was it. Like, that was like one thing. Once I conquered that, I'm like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And then kind of snowballed into it. But that's why, like, I always say, yeah, I I have big goals, but I also need to have small attainable ones to like make that a reality, you know, and what my life looks like. So I think that's important too, that it doesn't have to be like something massive.
1: Like it just
2: has to be like, I just want to make $50 to get a manicure,
1: you know? Yeah, that's it. It can be small things. And I think the thing that I was talking to someone the other day and they said, the thing about both medicine and motherhood is that the energy exchange is not equal Right, that you are giving to your kids who like, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes they say adorable things, but they're not like giving it back. Right. Yeah. They're just like sucking it all up yeah. and yeah. then they go to work and you have these sick patients and you're like trying yeah. to do what's best for them. You're dealing with, you know, the mm-hmm. critical care doc, the cranky surgeon, the whatever. And you're like, I'm like, just like, I'm just emptying all of right. my energy into these other people. Mm-hmm. And like, what is fulfilling me? Like right. what is bringing me joy? What is just for me, yes. not for anyone else. And like, if you find that thing and it can be knitting, I mean, it can be whatever I it mean, is. Literally
2: it's anything, cool. like yes. anything. And I completely agree. Phenomenal. Like, you know, giving my, like my life is about, my life has been about supporting Dave and his, you know, and then, and now with Mia, and then also my patients. I'm always, I feel like, and I know, I know this may sound selfish to some people, but I feel like I'm always giving. And this thing that I do is what fills me back up. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is what I need to sort of balance that in some way. And that's why it kind of all led that way. But you're right. Like it literally needs to be, it doesn't need to be, a, I want to start a business. It needs to be like, I just need, I want to go get a massage once a <laughs> month.
1: Oh, I want to drink wine alone in my bedroom. With I want
2: to be alone for 20 minutes. Yeah. Like leave
1: me alone on Tuesday at seven, like just yes. go, like, you know, like that's- Like silent time, time like, like mama time, 7 yes. p.m.
2: So yes. I'm, I'm so with you on that. I completely agree. It's when you serve others in so many ways, it, it's so wonderful, but at the same time, you need something that's gonna be fulfilling to you. So I think that's really important. Yeah, you
1: can't just withdraw, 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 and expect that it's not gonna overdraft if right. you, right. exactly. you need to exactly invest in yourself. In the, you, like, in the bank
2: of you, people, in the bank of
1: you. So a great, like for more financial tips on Instagram. <laughs> exactly.
2: Don't see me though. I'm not very good. <laughs>
1: I feel like this conversation like needs to happen. I think we yeah. need to be like decreasing the stigma around mental yeah. health and motherhood. We need to be telling people that like yeah. you're not alone in feeling this way. Like We have all been there. Mm-hmm. And the only difference between where we are and where you are is that we said, I don't want to sit in this mm-hmm. empty, overwhelmed state anymore. I yeah. want to move in the direction of something better. And it can be small or big. It can be this passion project. Yep. It can be a business. It can be knitting it can be book club it can be yeah. whatever it is that fits into your life mm-hmm. and you will need to be ruthlessly intentional about it because yeah. if you say I wish I had time to go to book club and read a book for book club it's not going to happen but no. if you say like every day I'm going to read for 20 minutes mm-hmm. even if the house is burning down around me yeah you know like and then you do it and then and then your spouse is going to be like oh, this is a little inconvenient that you're like reading you're mm-hmm. like, "Oh." That's life, right? Like figure do you it out. turn <laughs> out, you know, like you made these babies with me like you could figure it out, man? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, So curious. if people, which I don't know why they wouldn't, are not following you <laughs> on Instagram or TikTok, can yes. you tell them where they can find you? Yes,
2: you can actually find me pretty much anywhere. Michelle.ThePoshPA on TikTok, Instagram, I don't know, LinkedIn, I think it's Michelle Nesky, all the things. I'm on I think I'm pretty much on all the social <laughs> Yeah, let's but Instagram is my primary. I'm a, I am on Facebook the same, Michelle at the PoshPA and and TikTok. So um, but thank you so much. I really appreciate it. you asking me to be here. This
0: was
1: so fun. Yes, absolutely. We'll have to do it again sometime.
0: Yes, absolutely. Until next time, keep on slaying your own fire-breathing dragons. Thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of Fulfilled the Podcast. I have a favor to ask. If you like what you heard today, please tell your friends, take a screenshot and share it on social. You can tag me on Instagram at Mrs. Tracy Bingaman, and you can tag the podcast at fulfilled podcast. And please consider leaving a review. I'd love to hear what you think. And your reviews can help other moms find me so they can grow alongside you. Oh, I almost forgot. Don't forget to subscribe. So you get next week's episode automatically in your podcast queue instant inspiration and all the mom jokes yes please we'll see you next week on fulfilled the podcast